So, worship will come after the message today, and so we're going to start going through the, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. That's what we're going to do up to Christmas. We, there's 80 verses there, so we're not going to get through them all, uh, but we're going to s- start on Luke chapter 1 and get up to the birth of Jesus. I love, I love this time of year because uh, I, partly I love the birth narratives of Matthew and Luke. Let's pray. And we thank you, Lord, for your word, and as we open it up today, that you would Speak to us through your word, whatever it is. We thank you for your word. Your name be praised and exalted. Amen. 2008, uh, a man named the, by, the, by the name of Tony Campoli wrote the, a book called Who Switched the Price Tags? And he tells a story, a true story of 2000, um, uh, don't know exactly when, but um, it was a clothing store, an elite clothing store, and these teenagers, they broke in. They didn't steal anything, but what they did is they got in there and they switched the price tags. So like a a $1,000 shirt was changed and the the price tag of $200 was put on it. uh, Something worth $29.95 was switched and a $150 price tag was put on it. G.K. Chesterton, the English writer, apologist, he died in 1936, he said this, and it's to do with switching off price tags. He said, what we suffer from today is humility in the wrong place. Modesty has moved from the organ of ambition and has settled upon the organ of conviction, where it was never meant to be. A man was meant to be doubtful, about himself, but undoubting about the truth. And this has been exactly reversed. I'll say that again. A man was meant to be doubtful about himself, but undoubting about the truth. This has been exactly reversed. And so we have humility and conviction in the wrong location. They've been swapped over. And those are the two words I want to speak to us about today. Certainty and humility. Certainty and humility. Let's read the scripture. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who, from the first, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And you'd think those two words were opposites or enemies, but they're not. It's like separate, uh, like railway tracks. The two lines, they don't cross over, but they go together. And when they get placed in the wrong location, there is a problem. And we're heading towards the birth of Jesus. I only have a few weeks to get there. 
But we're, gonna, we're not going to go through every verse, but we're going to head towards the birth of Jesus. There are four narratives of the, of the birth of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you think of Mark, the scholars think he was the first, uh, first of the four. Think of him as a journalist. If you think of Luke, he's a historian. Verse 3, it says, I have carefully investigated, then written an ordered account. And the preface, these first four verses, includes a dedication to a man called Theophilus. Excellent Theophilus. We know nothing about him. It's possible that he was a man of standing and, and of means. Uh, quite possible that he was the money. And he paid for the publishing and distribution of the Gospel of Luke. It speaks to us two things from this intro paragraph. And the first one is certainty. The certainty of the Gospel, of the good news. And in the original language, in the original Greek, this word certainty comes the very last, the very last word of the of those four verses and it's actually one long sentence I'll show you there and there and, and right at the end there it is certainty and there's certainty here in the gospel of Luke about Jesus there were eyewitnesses they had seen these things. And every now and again in the Gospels, we have this like a random name will pop up. For instance, Luke 24, 18. Cleopas on the road. Jesus meets these two strangers. And, it says, and one was called Cleopas. The reason for that is quite possibly Cleopas was known to the readers. See, there's Cleopas. You know him. Another one is Mark 15, 21. It talks about Simon, the man who carried the cross for Jesus. And it says this, the father of Rufus and Alexander, because probably they knew Rufus and Alexander. Uh, Romans 16, it talks about uh, the mother of Rufus. And so we have these eyewitnesses. One of the spokesmen for Maori um, health response is a one of my first cousins, Rawiri Jensen, this, he's the son of my late uncle on my mother's side, the Viking side, the Jensen side. And so when he pops up on television, I go, hey, kids, look, there's my first cousin, Rawiri Jensen. There he is, look, there he is. And the kids get over it and they say, Dad, do you even have anything to do with him? <laughs> but the, the point is, is that I know so few famous people, anyone who's semi-famous, I've got to really camp out on. <laughs> and in the four Gospels there, we have mention of the, um, right at the start, in this introduction, eyewitnesses. They had seen, they had seen this stuff. Some of them were still alive. And some were um, the children of the eyewitnesses. You know, their parents had told them, the uncles, aunties, they had told them about these things. That adds to our certainty. Our cert this is not myth, by the way. Classic myth is written down 
at least um, two or three hundred years after the event. This is not myth. These were eyewitnesses that, that Luke had interviewed, talked to, got their stories, many of them, and then written it down. This adds to our certainty. You may have certainty of those things that you believe. You know, and that word certain, right at the end of those four verses, one long sentence, is like a boom, clash on the drum. You may have certainty. And Luke says he investigated. He was very deliberate and then wrote an ordered account. Uh, some of the things he wrote has been validated by, um, by, by the diggings, uh, the names, the buildings, the events, etc. So there's certainty, but also the second thing, there's humility. Verse 4, you have been taught. You have been taught. Shah and I, we were on a beach down Wellington, and we were walking along, and there's a lady, she was collecting seaweed, and, and we stopped and talked, and she was, she was uh, passionate about it. And then she, st- and she was talking to us, and she stopped and says, uh, do you want to learn what I want to teach you? <laughs> Which is a good question. And here we have this. Those things that you have been taught. You know, this is excellent Theophilus. You know, a man of standing, probably a man of means. But he was uh, humble enough to be taught, to be taught. Excellent Theophilus. So here's the question. Are we teachable? Are we teachable? Even if we uh, have some standing, even if we have some means, even if we have some experience, even if we have some position, are we teachable? Are we teachable? But not only those Uh, that were taught, not only the students, not only the new disciples, but also the humility of the teachers. They are ones who were the eyewitnesses. And it says this, they were servants of the word. They were servants of the word. They'd come to deep faith and they possessed a deep humility. They were aware of their uh, unworthiness apart from Christ aware of his grace, and importantly, aware that they were part of something bigger than themselves. They were servants of the word. You know, they were not advocating themselves, promoting themselves, not just, you know, they weren't full of themselves. They were servants of the word. This powerful force, this this entity, you know, John's gospel in the beginning was... The Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. It's uh, timatanga tikupu, itatua tikupu, kodatua ano tikupu. The Word in the beginning. This is the big picture, the grand plan, and they were just, they were just a part of it, and we are just, just a part of it. We, we are under the Word, and. Uh, and we ourselves are not a brand. We're not a brand. You know, that can actually take the pressure off. We are servants of the words. 
that, that creates humility, necessitates a humility in us. Certainty, but also humility. So we're going to finish by responding to that. And so I'm going to invite you to stand. This is called the Nicene Creed. If you don't believe it, you don't have to say it. Uh, it was penned in the year 325. So it wasn't yesterday. And it was only about a dozen years after the faith became legal. So uh, Constantine came to some, something of faith, the Emperor Constantine, and then um, 325 to, to start answering the questions of what is this faith that is no longer illegal, what's it look like, what is true and what is not true. This was penned, it was tweaked a couple of times in, the, uh, in that same century, the 4th century, but it's a beautiful, uh, majestical expression of what it is, the certainty of our faith. And some churches will actually say this every single Sunday. It's, um, it encapsulates all that we believe and is true. So we're going to stand and say it together. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, he became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father, the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We will look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen. Awesome. We're going to uh, continue to worship the Lord in sung worship. Thank you, Courtney and the team.